This is a Soulfire production. Just had our first virtual double date of quarantine. First? We're going to do it again? I think we're going to have to <laughs> because we're going to be here for, as you just said, three to 18 months. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And we survived a Monday. We didn't kill each other. We had space. It was beautiful. Yep. How are you feeling? Um, I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm probably like, I'm like a, I'm like a four out of 10 probably. Yeah. It's okay, baby. But I think the world's like a six out of 10. So I'm barely under the average. The world is not a six out of 10 right now. It depends. (laughs) Depends on what day it is and where I I was averaging what's going on. But, um, Joe and Lo were fun. This is is definitely the highlight of my day. It really is. I love them so much. They are new friends of ours here in Denver and Joe uh, created Cured Nutrition, a company we absolutely love, a CBD company that's doing great work. So if you need CBD right now, you know where to go. Um, and Lauren is just such an amazing voice and woman in this space. She's such a creator. She's an incredible coach. Um, she's a meditation teacher. She's a trauma coach, a writer. And the way they show up for one another and just the love and respect they have for each other. That's why we wanted to have them on the show because you and I talk a lot about navigating this in our relationship, being quarantined, stuck together. How do we communicate? What's coming up? What are the triggers? And this is a really cool show. They shared some very personal, intimate moments, things that have happened on the kitchen floor that I don't even think they expected. That was good. It got juicy. It did. I enjoyed the shit out of it. it this really whole, this whole online retreat series has been pretty rad. Yeah. We've had so many amazing speakers. Come on. You did breath work on Friday with Amy. Um, we've talked about finances, somatic movements where we've talked business with Logan, uh, how to survive this time as an entrepreneur. We have some incredible therapists coming on. I have a medium on Thursday. So if you guys want to join us in the retreat, um, please go to the link in our bios. We'll drop the the link in the show notes. It's all free for you. These are just resources and conversations to help you throughout this time. Live audience for a podcast. Yeah. You get to ask questions while we're doing podcasts. It's really cool. Yep. And there are questions at the end of this episode that are pretty juicy. I got kind of fired up. Connor was channeling. I was channeling. I was channeling, um, my guides. So good. My bro guides. So if you want to connect with Lo and Joe, you can go to Lauren S H E E H E Y on Instagram. And then Joe is just Joseph S H E E H E Y. All right. Enjoy this juicy episode. Those, um, those Instagram handles are also going to be in the show notes. So you can just click those. It's way easier that that. way. You're welcome. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We're so grateful. I feel like I'm having a little double date, which I think we desperately need. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can do. Yeah, very much so. Thank you for putting this together. Yeah. How's it going over there? It's day by day. Yeah, it's it, it really is. And as you two alluded to just before us hopping on, understanding what both of you, what you need at this time is like, really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Individually and as a relationship, but really, I think living with each other, making sure that we have space to take care of ourselves and process everything that we're feeling. Cause I think we're all in this place of, Oh shit, we're feeling all of the feelings all at once. And there are moments when that's really beautiful together. And there are moments when we really need this solitude to move through something. So making space for that. I know you guys know Julia Parzik. She was on the show the other day and we were laughing so hard because she was saying that she keeps going back and forth with her boyfriend, Carl. And she keeps saying like, hold me, be with me, hang out with me. And then she's like, get the fuck away from me. I can't, I can't be around you. And then he'll walk away and she'll be like, 
but be with me. <laughs> and so she feels crazy. And I was thinking about that. And I feel like I'm going through that too. And it's the waves of emotion of like, I really love you. And I want to spend time with you because we have so much fun doing different things together. But also, please get out of my house. <laughs> it's like that balance. Yeah, but I, leave, I also leave a lot. You do, which I appreciate. For like extended periods of time. Yeah. And you and take then- one or both dogs. And I'm like, thank you. I could face mask and dance in my underwear in peace. <laughs> <laughs> What's well, that's the thing too is I, I get I get the most frustrated when I'm I'm trying to find a way to make this like a positive and I'm trying to do whatever it is that I do to to leverage this in the best way that I can and then like this morning I woke up and I'm like fuck all of this like I'm so over this shit I just it, I don't know because if I go if I go out into the wilderness I feel like I'm being lazy and like I'm not doing my work but then if I do work then I feel like I'm trapped in my basement and I don't know what to do with myself <laughs> and it was like it was I feel I think the thing that really gets to me is like I just feel trapped and I don't want to be around anybody or don't want to have to oblige anybody or anything it's the craziest feeling and I haven't had to I haven't had to like play with that in such a long time it's so it's such an interesting thing to watch myself go through yeah how have those ways been for you guys Oh yeah. I mean, that's, I had a really irritable day. I think it was on Saturday where I just everything and anything felt like nails on a chalkboard. And I realized the same thing that that feeling of being trapped was coming up. And for me, that's a huge old trigger. And it was just putting me so on edge where the happy things were like, fuck this. And I just had to go and sit in the shower for 30 minutes and put myself in a timeout and get my, get myself together and feel everything. (laughs) Yeah. It's been interesting to navigate. We thankfully, so we have a very empty house. We, we bought a house in October. It's very empty because we don't have enough money to now put stuff in the house. Um, but, That's what happens. But, it's a house but, poor, right? Yeah. yeah. But, but there is space and that's been really important and being able to, you know, go bunker down in the office and she's doing her work. And thankfully the both of us can work and already do work remotely. So that's been a huge blessing but being able to maintain and own our own spaces has been very necessary in this because yeah, I mean, as much as, as much as you can miss each other when we don't get these times now, it's just the polar opposite and you have to be very careful of like where that's going to lead to. Yeah. I know that you guys were talking about triggers and low. That's something you and I have talked quite a bit about is, is really the self-awareness piece. And this is such a perfect opportunity to really look at ourselves and to look at our triggers, look what's causing them, look what, where they're coming from. And I've just noticed the impact on communication that that has made. And for me, you know, he's a perfect mirror every day for all of my stuff and things that have nothing to do with him, but he will trigger me in a way it'll bring something up. And I've noticed, and I'd like to give myself credit for this, even the other day, in a moment when I would normally kind of explode and get really angry, I took a breath and I just walked away and went and walked into our room and I just like calmed myself down and I came back and I explained, hey, this has nothing to do with you. This is how I'm feeling right now, though. And what I would love for you to do and the way you could show up for me is this. And that would be so helpful. And so I think this is almost forcing deeper communication and self-awareness so that we can do that work and show up for each other in a much better, um, I guess, more productive way. Yeah, without a doubt, I think the that opportunity or the option to escape and to leave a situation, we no longer have it. Mm -hmm. And so we're forced to we were just having a conversation about capacity. We're forced to increase our capacity to sit with what we're feeling and our triggers and to actually start to cultivate the tools to speak to them and to verbalize them and to ask for what we need. And for so many of us that that doesn't come naturally, it takes practice. it's like a muscle that we have to work over and over again. Yeah, it's it's been I think you feel we're we're learning in in that same conversation, we're learning that every single day we're feeling every possible feeling because we're all confused and we also have to to feel the joy that we do get to feel when we're together. The joy that you feel when you get to the other side of an uncomfortable conversation. This whole situation is uncomfortable, but what are we going to do about it? How have you been 
kind of stepping into your self-awareness in all of this and like stuff that's bothering you and like, oh shit. Are you talking to me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at you. I'm talking to you, <laughs> darling. Um, you know, it's a good question. I've been trying to, one thing I always, I'm dissecting my like common complaints about life outside of this time, right? It's like, okay, well, I don't have enough time to do this or that or this other thing. So I've been really mindful of where I'm reinvesting my time and what I'm spending my time doing. And that's really been for me, the biggest thing to unpack is like, all right, what is, where's my time going now when I have no other choice, but to look at where my time's going. Like that's, that's cause otherwise it's like, are you going to, are you, you, everybody has the option. And I think this is happening all the time is just fill your time with distractions. I mean, Pornhub views are up 5.6%. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I believe that it's, it's, yeah. it's interesting. I'm sure. And I haven't, haven't looked at the social media numbers, but that stuff's going crazy. And I've granted, I spent a ton of time on there just doing whatever, but I've been really trying to stay on top of if, if I can't, and what I was journaling about, I know this is a really roundabout way to say this, but I was, I was talking to myself in my journal. I was like, if you can't be disciplined and do what you want to do now, then you really mm. just can't do it. Then you're just not capable of doing it. Mm. So fucking mm. do it now or quit pretending that that was kind of the, my like daily tough talk to myself. Is that because you have the space to do it right now? Yeah. And there's no, I mean, there's nothing to be, what is there to distract you from it? Right. You know, it's, you it's, know. it's nice. And there's also little things like I, I, I love to kind of circle around the mantra of how you do anything is how you do everything. So like taking out the trash or cleaning up the backyard, like things that we have to, when you have a home, like you have to do these certain things that you can always put off to the next day, next hour, next, whatever, procrastinated away. Laundry. Laundry. Yeah. yeah well, that one's, <laughs> that one fits is still firmly on the back burner, <laughs> 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 but it's, it's, it's okay. What can I do now to then whenever this is all over one day in the future without any expectations of when it's going to be over mm -hmm. to where, when that happens, I'm actually more prepared to live the life that I want to live than I was going into it even though I had zero, zero control over the fact that it happened in the first place. Mm -hmm. So that's really where, that's where most of my time and just reflection time has, has been focused on. And I would even say less on our relationship than anything else. I don't think about it that much at all because it's like, it's I'm immersed in it all the time. Right. To the point where I don't even really want to talk about it that much. Yeah. Cause well, and it's like the stable thing in your life where I, yeah. I feel that too. So, and I even thought about that, I'm curious how you guys feel. Connor's, I, I will say this again. I don't mean this in a bad way. I love you, but Connor's constantly triggering me. And so it's constantly making me think about him in every scenario, even if it has nothing to do with him. So if it's my childhood wounding of abandonment, he'll bring that up in some way, shape or form for me. And so it's, it's always about him. And yesterday I was journaling about this and I wrote down, it's not always about him and it's not about your relationship. How can you find sovereignty and your individuality in this experience and still continue to live your life while not being codependent and wrapped up in one another? And this is as difficult as a time it is to this, what a perfect time to be working through that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. How do you two create the space to have those conversations and to, um, to feel safe and bringing up things that are really triggering and things that, you know, might not be directly related to the other person yet are being projected onto the other person. Go I ahead, think Kelly. also without feeling shame, yeah. I think that's yeah. the biggest piece is without them going into a shame spiral. Mm. Yeah. It's really hard. I've definitely been practicing a lot throughout we've been together a year and it's changed and grown a lot since the beginning before it would I feel like I would come at him and I would project and I would blame him and now I have more self-awareness around what's mine and what he's just bringing up for me that I'm able to see and so I try and if I want to have a productive conversation with him, going into it crying or upset is not going to work. He doesn't really respond well to that. He really struggles when he feels helpless, like he can't fix it for me. He wants to be able to show up, but if I'm like overly emotional, he doesn't know how to respond well. And so I've learned that if I come into it after having been emotional and say, hey, I'm feeling this thing right now. And it's not because of something you did bad or wrong, but you did bring it up for me. And so now I'm feeling this way. And can we talk about it? 
And that's mm. when it feels more productive, um, as well as asking him, Hey, I'm really upset right now about this. And I really need you to hold me. And then mm. that gives him something to do to help me process. And I feel like that's when we work best together. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the thing about me too, uh, this is hard. Doesn't this makes me difficult to date? <laughs> and I'm Joe. I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. I don't like get super excited about things, and I don't get really that upset. And I don't risk like I'm. I stay pretty even keel. Like if I'm upset about something or excited about something, it's it's a it's an anomaly. It doesn't really like get me that that bad. And I'm. I think it's it's a fair amount of that is just resilience and kind of detachment and some self work because I used to get angry, really angry back in the day. But it just doesn't really like. I think sometimes if you're upset and you come at me and you're upset, I don't match your level of upsetness. So I seem like I don't fucking care, mm -hmm. but I do care. I'm just trying to be, I'm just grounded about it and try to stay pragmatic. And I think that where I, the only time I really feel triggered, I don't get like triggered that often is when I feel like I'm like a lot of things are expected of me and I'm feel like claustrophobic mm -hmm. in it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, this is happening and you're processing this and you're deep in your feminine. And I, I, I don't, know how to handle it. It doesn't <laughs> resonate with him very well. There's so much going on. So my, my response is like, just stay chill, just, <laughs> like, chill, bro. <laughs> just like, let this thing, like weather the storm, get your feet on the ground, get in the storm cellar and just meditate on it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I think yeah. it's been the almost the opposite for us. I think in terms of like, I think Joe lately, he's like, he pokes the tiger where he's like, Low, it's my favorite thing to low. Do. <laughs> like, like, I want you to be angry. I want you to scream. I want you to get upset. I want you to show more emotion because for me, I have this tendency to like reach an upper threshold. And if I feel like it's too much, boom, I'll just shut it down. And that's, that's not productive in terms of my own healing. It's also not productive in a relationship because it shuts down any, any opportunity to dialogue through something, work through something, or even allow you to help me or hold me in any way. Yeah. It's, I mean, I say it all the time. Like, like I am a shit, I can be a shit, but it's like very intentional. It's like completely out of love because for her, that really is her healing. And when you discuss eating disorders and you discuss being small, you discuss hiding, discuss not having any needs, not speaking up for yourself in that I've witnessed that I've witnessed that over the course of our relationship. And it's actually a really scary thing for me. And it was one of the most triggering things to me because I have a very anxious attachment style. So when she would do that, I would always be like, Oh no, 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 no. Like come back. What can I do? And a lot of my work has been around like the anxious attachment attachment and codependency. So for me, I, I just try to flip the script and also understand like what in our relationship and in these times specifically, like what am I, what's my personal responsibility right now? And how do I take inventory of that and show up in the way that I need to for myself to then be grounded and in a loving way, push you through things like that. Yeah. <laughs> we do yeah. it to each other. Yeah. yeah. That's a relationship. Mm -hmm. I know I've seen some posts about uh, arguments on the kitchen floor and uh, mm -hmm. heated discussions. And that seems yeah. to be where the healing happens in your house. I'm mm -hmm. curious what's going on in the kitchen. <laughs> so much happens in the kitchen. <laughs> um, I, I think it was a month and a month ago now that we had the, a really, really big breakthrough on the kitchen floor. It was a conversation that lasted throughout the entire day. That morning we had, um, done a small dose of psilocybin and we're working through a lot of our internal patterns and with psilocybin comes just astounding clarity and it's so grounded in love and what that does for us is when we're working through these moments together or at the medicine together, we're able to reflect in a way that doesn't feel as emotionally charged. It mm. still feels, it feels safe. It feels facilitated in love and there's less of a reaction and more of a, a genuine response and making contact. And throughout that day, it had started with this like, pseudo intervention with your family and 
then we went back home and the conversation started off fine. And then suddenly we're on the kitchen floor and I'm in tears and he's being very firm and he's saying point blank, Lauren, I love you so much. And there's absolutely no judgment with this, but you are out of integrity and you are slipping and your eating disorder is coming up. And this is what I'm seeing. And it's very obvious to me. It's not bad. I understand it, but we have to fix it. And that turned into us sitting down and him asking really difficult questions like, what are you still holding shame about? Or um, how do you feel about your sexuality? Why do you think that you feel shame around your sexuality? And these are topics that aren't comfortable. And throughout the entire evening, I we have that same relationship that you two have where we act as each other's mirrors. And that doesn't necessarily feel good. No. Like it's someone saying, hey, this is what I'm seeing and we're actually not going to look away. And we're going to expand our awareness around all of the things that we would rather hide underneath the rug. And we sat there for hours and hours and hours until we finally were able to reach this point where we felt like we unpacked it. We got really, really, really raw. And, and for me, I had to, I had to sit with for the very first time, like, wow, someone's calling me on my shit and I've never been called on this before. And I'm not bad. And he's not going anywhere. And wow, I really am worthy of unconditional love. And Boom. That was a breakthrough. Yeah. And I, and, and the reason that that can happen for us is because I have been manipulative. I have a lot of shame in my life. I've been a cheater. I've been through all of these things that make me able to recognize certain behaviors in Lauren that I would not say that are the exact same in myself, but have been the same way that I cover things up or I try to just bypass certain things. And so the only reason that it works is taking that personal responsibility and be like, okay, like I've, I can be manipulative and I can see you do it too. Even if it's just to yourself or what, whatever it is you're doing, it doesn't matter the context but it takes a whole level of self-awareness to be able to call somebody else out in a very loving way. And you like, if you didn't have the knowing that of everything that I've worked through myself, it still wouldn't work the same. You know, like you have to just be like naked in your face mask dancing, but <laughs> naked, <laughs> naked and like sharing it all. And like, like you can't hide anything and you shouldn't hide anything. And you have to remember that whatever it is you've been through, whatever you've done, like it's true. It's your truth. It's your experience. And there's no shame around it. Mm. That's the only way, that's the only way that we get to that point yeah, and we can actually call each other out. You have way. to eliminate the shame. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lauren, how have you showed up for Joe in, in a similar way? Mm, that's been a recent example of pointing out things. I mean, it's a, it's a it's daily, daily thing, but yeah. what, I mean, <laughs> I mean, one of the, maybe an example around cured and me working or I don't know, that's been huge. Yeah. I think that has been, and that's fairly pertinent and it's been timely where I think most businesses right now are hitting a rough patch and that's hitting business owners in a really big way. Um, not just financially, but really emotionally, because when you're a business owner, your, your business is your baby. And so to see the oscillations in a business and to go through those really deep valleys can feel really scary because you're attached, because you're hopeful, because you want it to thrive. And cured hit a rough patch and I saw it, I saw it move from something that was just about business to something that was more identified with worth. And it went from cured is struggling to 
I'm bad. I'm not worthy. I'm not earning anything. I failed. And yeah, I failed. I'm not enough. And I had to, I had to, I mean, my mind's going back to one conversation that we had after dinner one night where I had to be fairly firm and say like, Hey, this is what we need to start looking at. It's like, we can feel through these big shifts in the business and it's okay to feel them, but it's not okay to then attach them to how good you are as a person and to how lovable you are as a person. And so right now I can tell that little Joseph is coming up and he's scared that he's not going to be okay. So what are we going to do about it? Yeah. Yeah. Tying, recognizing, recognizing how much of my worth I've tied to success and achievement. Like that's, that's my MO. And I used to walk around like, look at me, I've done this. I've done that. I can do this. I'm successful. I can achieve anything. And then when she held the mirror up to me saying, I think there's something under that. I'm like, Oh fuck. Like, fuck you. First of all. And second of all, like, with love. Yeah. yeah. And then second of all, like you might be right. So that's been huge for me. Yeah. And it, and it like, especially in a time like this, it helps you just kind of sit with, well, if, if the business goes away, if whatever, like, I don't know what this is going to bring and we're not actually in that situation right now, but there have been times where it's like, Oh, okay. So you still love me and we're going to be okay. And that like, I don't know for anybody that puts a lot of their worth around getting stuff done and achieving that is one of the most powerful things that you can experience. Mm-hmm. Con, I'm curious for you. Cause I feel like you, you for perspective for you guys, he was already in a bit of a transition before all this came down and then it kind of catapulted him into transition. And as your coaching practice has changed and, and things are different in the world and people's needs are different and soul fire has expanded that, I'm curious, kind of like Joe was saying, your perspective of your own experience in this and your own own ties to what you're putting out into the world and how you're showing up and financially and, and with your career, what that's been like. Yeah, I think I don't have the same like self-worth tied to success type thing. I know it's a really common, that's a really common situation and I empathize with it in a lot of ways, but I haven't had that same like, um, I did actually, I did when I had the gym, when the thing is, and, and I'm, I'm sure some people can resonate with that. Once you have something that you tied every bit of your identity into blow up in your fucking face, like that, you, you, you don't have a choice. It was like that timed with ayahuasca at the same time, <laughs> those, those two together, uh, this caused this massive loss of identity that I think is, has been helpful and also lend itself to some kind of spiritual avoidance of, of responsibility in a lot of ways. But with, co- with coaching, as soon as all this started going down and people were like, were locked down, it, I realized that my coaching program was fucked and it wasn't because you can't sell right now. Like people can totally, people are doing fine. People are working remote. People are doing uh, some of our people that are in the soul fire network are doing great with their coaching businesses because they're supporting people in this emotional transition. That's not what I do though. And I was kind of faced with this choice. Like, do you want to pretend that you do something different than what you do? Mm. Or do you want to just hit the pump, the brakes and just see what backfills in that space? Because my whole coaching program is predicated on how do you show up for other people? What do you like in your community? How can you reflect on your day-to-day life to create more alignment for yourself and act in a more genuine and authentic way that requires you getting outside of your fucking house. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. So for me, I, I even put people on hold and was like, when this is all over, we'll pick it up because I don't want to waste your time. Cause we're having a 20 minute conversation and it's dead air because I've got nothing to go on. You're not taking your outside experiences into this because you don't have any. Mm-hmm. And so once we get through kind of the emotional situation that you're in and, and most of my people are pretty resilient anyways, I can pat them on the back cause they fucking kill it. But it was, it was weird. So I'm like, okay, well now what's left. And it was really cool because I got to say, all right, well, there's space for me to start the Connor Wander show, which is totally just a free expression of myself that I've been kind of sitting on for a while and soul fire. And then things that I've wanted to do, but haven't had time to do like learn how to fly fish. <laughs> like mm. It's things like that. So it didn't all become business. It was okay. Can I look at this and really understand 
I've been doing the same thing for several years now because that was the thing that I was doing. That's the way I had to survive. That's no longer an option while staying genuine to myself. So what needs to, what needs to be shaken up and where are things going to fall? That's kind of the way that I looked at it. And it's been, now granted, it's been like a bit of a shit show on the back end, right? Like uh, trying to have a tug of war with myself on what the next thing is and things I've been sitting on that haven't been finished yet for whatever reasons. And that's kind of where the whole, if you can't do it now, you don't need to be fucking doing it mm-hmm. um, thing came from. But, you know, for me, it's like finishing the online program. Like that's just sitting there ready to be done. Just do it. Like I'm in the house all the time anyways. Like I could find a million excuses still if I wanted to, but it's just like, get that done. No big deal. Like it's pretty much done anyway. So it's just like fit following through with some things, but then also where do I want to reinvest my time? Mm-hmm. Well, I think for everyone, single and relationships, it doesn't matter. This is just a time of reevaluation across the board. And what do you have space for? And Connor left the other day for like eight hours and he, he came home and we were talking and he was talking about what, what he wants to do coming out of this, what's next. And he's like, I literally left and I went to the woods to try and like come up with something. And it's just, I'm dead air. Like I'm not getting anything. And I think a lot of people will feel like, Oh fuck, I failed or I have no direction. And to me, luckily we have soul fire. We have something that we can focus on. He has three podcasts to do on a weekly basis. So there's like plenty of things to fill his time. But at the same point, I don't think you have to have the answers right now. I think that dead air and open space is actually what we all need. We haven't had enough of this like space without noise, space without direction, space without, I have to do this and then I have to achieve this and then I have to get here by this time. There is none of that right now. And it's how can we in a relationship and individually sit in the dead air in this open space and just allow things to come through as they're meant to. And that as a type A controlling person, Uh, that's very hard for me to do, but I realize that the more I can lean into that and just allow that, the more, the next thing I do, the more I expand in what I'm already doing is going to be in alignment and is going to be meant for me. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's a big lesson that all of us are working through right now in terms of realizing that just because we have the time doesn't mean that we necessarily have to fill it. And also, just because we have the physical space to get something done doesn't mean that we have the emotional space to get something done. And so being really mindful of, is this an opportunity to create or is this an opportunity to be still and allowing ourselves to, to pivot when we need to, even on a day-to-day basis, on a minute to minute basis. And if we have a surge of creativity and drive to get shit done, amazing, write it out until you feel like you don't. And then when you don't be still, and that's good too. It doesn't mean that you aren't as okay. It doesn't mean that that you will be any less of a person if you don't come out of this with this, like, new app developed, like it's okay. It's okay (laughs) to ride the waves. However, the waves look. Yeah. We were, we went on a really long walk yesterday. And one of the things that I said, I was like, it's so fucked that we had to go through this situation to be able to do this, 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 and this. And like one of them was like to go on these walks and explore our neighborhood. Like we've said we've wanted to do, or like, hop on phone calls with family members or friends or all of these things. Like, did it really need to come to this for us to give ourselves permission to, to live life differently? And I think that that's like where the, um, the things that we really need to hold on to. And this is like, Oh, okay. Well, we've had like, some people are having this discussion and I've said it as well as like, when are things going to go back to normal? Well, we should forget that and we should recognize what we're learning right now. And that we're going to have a new normal that's going to be filled with the things that actually really matter to us. And, um, I can't say that that's the story for everybody, but that's been a huge thing for us over the last several weeks is, wow, it took this for us to do this. And that list is like long. (laughs) It's really long. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a thing too, is like, this is such a great opportunity to, to get curious about things that you want to learn about. That's been mm-hmm. the, one of the most fun things for me is I have no, like I would have a thought to come in like, Hey, I want to like, I want to learn about real estate investing or whatever it is. Something, we, something we've talked about. That's always on the back burner. And I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. well I'll just hop on YouTube real quick. And I'll spend an hour doing that because I'm not driving anywhere. I'm not distracting myself with anything else. I, if I'm going to be distracted, I might as well be distracted in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like something, maybe I'll, yeah. maybe I'll get excited about this and maybe it's, maybe there's just something to be learned here. Mm-hmm. 
Like it's, it's a really cool place of intrigue and curiosity. I feel like, you know, that being said, I wish it wasn't the case. <laughs> I don't want people dying for, so I could be curious and get on a rabbit hole, but right. it's, 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 it's quite the shift. And I don't think things will be the same after this. So, no. you know, uh, individually or, or collectively, and that's, it's, it's something to really reflect on for sure. Yeah. If anyone has any questions, please drop them in as we continue this conversation. Um, Connor and Joe, I would love for you to talk about, we do have so many women on this call and listening to this Sup, show. Ladies, hey. hey. <laughs> I would love for you guys to address what it's like for you in communication. And of course, everyone is different, but what works for you? when you're asking for what you need and then also when Lauren and I come to you and how you feel it's most beneficial, especially in this circumstance for us to ask for what we need and to really honor each other in those conversations. It's a beautiful question. Joe, you go first. (laughs) I'm intimidated. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, It's been a question that Lauren's asked me throughout our entire relationship. Like, what do you need right now? And my default was always nothing. I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, and that answer is just so wrong. It's so wrong. And it's taken me so long to actually recognize that. And it's just like the exploration of what truly, what truly makes me feel loved and, understanding that I can continually ask for it. And even if it's like things that are difficult for her, just by repeatedly going back to the fact that this is like, this is bringing us closer together. This is showing me that I can actually have my own needs. And when I do have my needs met, then I can actually show up better for her and ask her in response or sometimes even not even ask her in response and know that that's okay. Like it doesn't always have to be. And my big thing is this codependency thing is like, Oh, well, I'm just going to abandon myself and give you whatever you need. But just saying, Hey, this is what I need right now. And then stopping and not doing anything back in return. Right. Not like, Oh, and, and what do you need? And what can I do? And like, let me make sure that I'm earning what I need by giving you what you need. I'm a, I've, I'm a people pleaser. Right. Big time. And then taking a step back, what's been helpful for you and feeling more receptive when I'm having to express what I need, what, what allows it to maybe land with less of a charge and more, I don't know. Yeah. We, we had a wager yesterday on whoever won sequence had, there was, there was, there was a wager. And if she won, I had to write her a love letter once per week. And if I won, she had to give, she had to give me a massage once per week. And instantly when she said she wanted me to write her a love letter once a week, I felt so much shame. I felt bad because I was like, Oh, have I not been doing that? Have I not been showing you enough, showing you enough love? It was like the instant, like I'm not enough. I'm bad type thing, but just like sitting with it for a little bit and being like, well, she didn't say that. She just told me what she needs or what she would like. And it's not about you, dude. And that like, Mm. that's like, I have to do that a lot. And, and then like, but it can be about you in certain ways. And when you want it to be about you, make it about you and ask for what you really want. And I, I'm turning 30 this year and I'm learning how to do that for the first time this year. So. Hey, better late than never, baby. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And I think I want to get to you too, Connor, but I think um, I want to touch on this again, because I think it's important even in that, like what we asked for with our wager, which I'm so excited that now I get love letters once a week. Um, <laughs> played, winning. We played Scrabble. Well, though, you just we said sequence. sequence. Yeah. I still won. <laughs> yeah. So we think understanding that within the feminine and masculine, we, our needs are met differently. And that's something that's really, really beautiful and something that doesn't need to change in a relationship. I don't have to make Joe into this person who needs words or who needs the mind. Right. And he doesn't have to make me or turn me into someone who absolutely like 
expresses through the body. That's something that I'm working on every single day, just like sitting with words and verbal affirmation is something that you're working with every day. Like it's, it's this process of being able to respect what each other needs respect that it naturally is going to show up differently that that actually creates another layer of beauty and uniqueness to your relationship and it doesn't mean you're doing anything bad it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong by not being in that same place or by not having the same quote-unquote love language yeah how about you connor have you I, been able to ask for your needs before? I forgot what the original question was after all of that. How do you, <laughs> how is it best when I come to you, what do you feel is most productive and how is it best for you? I don't know. I forgot my own question. When you're coming and asking for what you need and that conversation. No, I think cause you were talking about being receptive to your needs first. And I think they kind of, they, they overlap there because I, I noticed in let's say it was what was like broken in my relationships before this one was just allowing myself to become codependent. And what I would consider that what, what resonated with me so much was like allowing myself to just be disrespected or to disrespect myself, which are kind of the same thing, right? So creating a space for disrespect in my own life from myself or, or directed towards myself. And I think one of the things, cause you do process a lot of stuff is like whenever you, want to talk about it. Like if you did it every two hours, which is probably how often your like cycles of emotions are, it would almost be like the little boy crying wolf, right? It's like, there's always, then there's always something versus like, come to me when you're ready to like actually have a fucking conversation about what you've done and you've done some processing on your own. And then I feel like I feel more respected in that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It may be a little bit harsh, but no, it's like, good. it's like coming to me when you're, when you're ready to like actually have a fucking real conversation about it, mm-hmm. not just giving me a play by play, like a color commentator of your emotional state throughout the day. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. And then when it's me, cause I think I don't really ask for what I need, but I just do what I want. And I try and for me, it's more or less. And that's where we miss each other. He doesn't, he, so just for context, it's not to cut you off, baby. So I ask him, what do you want? What do you need? And he doesn't have answers. And that makes me very uncomfortable. And I don't know what to do with that because I pretty much always have an answer for everything. Cause I'm just like, I'm self-aware. I know what I want. I'm, I'm not afraid to verbalize it where that's just not your cup of tea. And I also don't think that anyone has ever asked you the way I ask you. No, not really. So I think it makes you uncomfortable as you were. Yeah. But to do that, what I've been, tra- what I've been thinking about as we do this discussion is, is what I have to do because I, like I said, I just kind of do what I want is look back at my actions and like, what do my actions say that I need? Right. Cause they're mm-hmm. probably better indicators of what my mind has confirmation biased me into believing that I need or what I need, what I'm going to say because I want validation. Like really what, is, what are my actions in the recent history say about what I probably need? And when that's the case, and that's what we've been doing is like, Hey, I'm going to go do this thing for me. It's a lot of time. I just need to like a space to be by myself or go do something that feels like it's just for me. Mm-hmm. Cause so much of the stuff we do, especially working together is like for us, it's like us, this, us, that everything is us. And I'm like, I'm going to go do a thing. And I've even taken up more hobbies now that you have nothing to do with that. I wasn't that interested in a year ago. Because I'm like, this is just my thing. And Kelly wants nothing to do with this. Yeah. <laughs> and so for me, it's, it, that's, it's super fun that way because it's like, I, okay, this is, this is mine and it's my, and I invest a substantial amount of time into it. And the more stressed I am, the more time I usually stress, I, I put into it because it helps me clear my head and I don't feel um, constricted in that. And it's, it, it gets my wheels turning in a different way. Um, but a lot of that is I have to. I have to kind of reverse engineer it to even you make the words because it's more like I have an impulse to do a thing. Mm. And then I have to kind of describe the impulse to myself and then communicate it to you three weeks later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think there's something really powerful in that though, because um, have either of you read extreme ownership by Jocko Willink? No, uh, no, no. I need to get the physical book. Cause his voice is like, where's is he the Navy seal? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He yeah. used awesome. to be, but he, uh, He's, he's a, he's a leadership coach and, um, I've definitely learned a lot about leadership over the last couple of years and, and owning a business. And in one of the parts, he's talking about executing a plan or showing, showing a team where you want the, where the end goal is. And I was thinking about that personally and I was like, okay, so why don't, why don't people in my business ask me where I want the business to go. And he very clearly answered it in the book. And it was because 
they don't, they shouldn't ever have to ask you because you're supposed to show them like you are the leader. So there's like this leadership piece in that, which like, yes, we have to be able to say what we need and vocalize it, but it's also really powerful and maybe an opportunity for maybe this is a masculine and feminine thing, but like, yeah, I don't say it as much because I just do it and I know what I need and maybe watch me a little bit more. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, Come on, Joe, you were supposed to be on my side. Go do it. I know, but I just like thought about that. And I was like, no, I think that there's something there because I think men, it's like, I, I'm just going to do it because that's like the leader in me. That's like, I'm going to show, I'm going to lead by example. And I think that there's like a dichotomy there for sure um, to continue to use Jocko's words. But like, I think that that's powerful. Well, I think there's something in that. And it's like, it's like, you want me to tell you, but I'm showing, I'm like showing you. But that's yeah. not like how drawing, I receive I'm it. Like, I'm it's like, like love yeah. languages, right? We're like playing love right. pictionary. And I think also it's for, it's really it's important in relationships not to go in assuming that your partner's going to automatically know what you need. Yes. And so we do need to have the fundamental conversation of this is how I'm loved. This is what I need. This is. And, and to your point, Connor, like checking in, when do I feel resentful? Like when am I, when do I feel annoyed? Because that's probably pointing to an unmet need that maybe I haven't verbalized yet. And yeah. so checking in with what, what are these actions? How are they impacting my feeling and what can I express that's going to help my partner understand and meet me better? Because it, it is important to show up for what you need and to have that sense of agency and follow through and, um, and not be codependent on your partner giving you what you need. But I think on the same, like the flip side of that same token is in order for us to know how to love you better, we have to understand what you need, which means that we have to have the conversation. And I think it's also, I'm curious if, if with the masculine where asking for help comes in, Right. And if that just feels off guards, if that feels like it's a hit to your masculinity and if that's what's driving the need to just I'm just going to do and I'm just going to get shit done. If it's also if there is some ego in that that's really fueled by, well, I don't want to have to talk about what I need. I don't want to have to ask for help because I can do it. Mm -hmm. Well, have you ever what's what's that book? It's about how just men just want to be wild and free. What, what is it? Is it, um, is it David data? The, the way of the superior man. I can't No, no, it's not that I can't remember what the book is and I, we have it somewhere, but, <laughs> but like this, I, the idea of like freedom, I think a lot of, I think everybody like wants to feel freedom, but part of the premise of that book was like, somehow over the course of evolution, it's been more of a masculine thing. And, and it's not like the control aspect more so I'm, it was more so like the, the freedom to choose and the freedom mm-hmm. to do, I think, I don't mm-hmm. know. Personally, that's. Yeah. And I don't, yeah. I don't think it's like i I'm going to get shit done. Like I need to prove something to somebody. It's more like, I think one thing that, cause I grew up, I grew up in the oil and gas industry, which you wouldn't think, is like this super rewarding career, especially as a kid. But one thing that was really awesome that you, none of us on this call of, that are having this conversation get to experience now is we get to start a job and finish a job. Mm. You started and you finished. Sometimes it took you a day, sometimes it took you an hour, sometimes it took you a week. But you got the chance to have a truck full of tools and a job to do and you finished it and then you went to the next job. And it's like there was this dopamine hit of, Oh wow, like accomplished something. And then when you had a problem and things were like something was going poorly, you get to then problem solve at a, at a high level quickly with manual labor, which was a really cool experience. And now it never ends. I get a podcast done. I got another podcast. I, I, I get a client. I get another client I need to get, you know, it's like it never ends. And sometimes like that's why I think archery and things like even getting out and going like fly fishing, these new things, like learning new skills is like, okay, I learned how to tie a fly today or mm-hmm. I got my bow sighted in a little better. Or I yeah. went and just like put in an hour of doing something that I enjoy for no other reason than because I enjoy it. So that wasn't, I think there, it can be a toxic expression if it comes into like, I need to, I need to prove something and, and express my masculinity. But sometimes mm-hmm. I think in the world we live in is so digital and there's never, there's never an end goal. There's always somebody else you can aspire to be like, or some other goal that you can try to obtain. And we don't ever get the fucking satisfaction of like putting a, a nail 
and a hammer together and putting it through a piece of wood and like framing a house. Weird. Like we don't get that anymore. And there's something I feel like, I mean, it's, it's part of the nerfing down of, of humanity in a lot of ways that I'm, I'm incredibly grateful that I got to be able to do that from the age of six to 19. You know, like that was cool. I get to open gates and learn codes. I remember I used to get so excited opening gates for my granddad on the oil leases because I would, I would remember the the combinations without him having to tell me like that was like my big victory as a six year old. <laughs> and then I learned how to shift gears in a truck. Like there were certain things that, that we're insulated from now that I think add so much value to, to life. And I think that's a part of mask and expression that now gets taken out in CrossFit or whatever. Right. But there's something that was much more utilitarian about it when it was like, okay, let's like get in there and like get some fucking things actually done that now provide for my family or create a, create something for someone else. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, if yeah. I ask for what I want, if I get very clear and quiet with myself and know, okay, this is what I want and I express it and I ask for it and I get what I need in my relationship, then what does that mean? I think that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable. If I ask for what I need and my needs are met, that means I'm in a healthy relationship and things are good and I don't know how to function in that space. Mm. That means I'm finally advocating for myself and asking for my needs on a very deep level in a way I never have. And that's uncomfortable. And I think that's where you get tripped up too is I, I don't know that you've ever done that. I don't know that you've ever really asked for what you want, the life that you really wanted, created that with someone, allowed them to show up for you in that way and had that healthy expression and communication. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Who knows? I mean, that's, I, that's my experience and that's kind of how yeah. I feel in communication. I don't know if you, if that yeah. makes any no, sense. That was, but. I think that was huge for us. I think I was, I mean, I was the first person for you, the first partner. For what? So I was like, I don't even know what's I'm happening. Joking. This is girl talk I'm joking. now. I'm joking. Gotcha. <laughs> I love you, baby. <laughs> yes. No, it's true. You are the first person to actually give me permission to ask for what I wanted or what mm-hmm. I needed. Yeah. Yeah. You don't usually have very many of those. No. It's, <laughs> it's yeah, like everybody yeah. I've ever dated was, was really receptive yeah. to my needs. Yeah. <laughs> it's not something you hear very often. Yeah. We have, do a, you we do have a question. We have a good question here. Uh, I'm going to let Kelly read it because I have a third grade reading <laughs> level. <laughs> How do you get an emotionally avoidant person to open up within your relationship? I've been doing a lot of work on myself the past couple of years and it's opened my eyes to what I'm missing in this relationship and in all relationships since I was a child. I realize this is a story of mine and I want to be with someone who can meet me at my level first of all bravo bravo for the inner work that that takes because it's not it's not easy it's not comfortable and to look at how it has been a pattern throughout your life can bring up a lot of really difficult emotions and it it puts tension on your current relationship and so that is brave that is beautiful and i hope that sandy you give yourself that and I think for me, what comes up first is a lot of what we're talking about, where if if your partner is emotionally avoidant, the very first step is having a conversation. The very first step is being able to sit down and to express, and we call it a, a compassion sandwich. And mm-hmm. we talk through the different steps of um, vocalizing something. Yeah, it's great. Compassion sandwich. Like, it's, it's wonderful. But it works. And I think it's, it's really important, especially within a relationship, because we are all on edge. We all have our, our self-worth triggers um, coming up on a very frequent basis with intimate partners. And so leading with, just like you did on the kitchen floor, I love you. You are not bad. And this is what I'm noticing. And Sandy, for you, it might be, Hey, I love you. Our relationship is really important to me. And I'm realizing that I'm really needing more heart to heart conversations because it helps me feel connected to you. And I really am noticing that I need more quality time where we have our phones off and we're engaging with each other's presence because that really makes me feel loved and seen and heard. And then giving your partner an opportunity to respond and to express maybe um, what their experience has been like. And ideally that would create 
an opportunity to have an, a back and forth dialogue to discuss how both of you can be seen and maybe even how both of you have these different attachment styles and possibly what has fueled them. Like, why do you have these attachments? Getting to know why your partner's emotionally avoidant. What are your partner's triggers? What, what makes him want to run away? And um, what would help him feel more regulated so that he can stay and have these really difficult heart to hearts if that's what you're wanting. That's where my mind's going. Yeah. I mean, it really like the first you, Sandy, or whoever this may be is you're, you take some personal responsibility and you say, Hey, like I feel this way when, when we aren't, we aren't able to talk about how I feel or what my needs are. So like you take a little bit, put it on yourself, but then the partner, like also has to do the same and has mm -hmm. to be willing to show up and like say, Hey, yeah, like I hear you and maybe I can't talk about it right now, but I do hear you and I'll get back to you on it. And then you also have to be okay with that answer because you, you might not get what you want right off of the bat, but like letting it, like it's on you, it's your responsibility to let it come out of your mouth and then see where it lands and say, okay, now it's out in the open and we're not trying to dodge this massive elephant in the room because that never fucking works and it's never going to get anywhere and see what the other person's going to do with it. And then it's really on, it's really on the other person. And it's, and Sandy, it will be, this is, I think the follow through with this piece is often the scariest because once you vocalize what you need, there's a chance that those needs won't get met. And what does that mean? And so that brings up a lot of fear of, okay, if, if I come into this conversation and I say, I feel unseen, I feel unloved when this happens and this is what I need. And you very explicitly vocalize how your partner can begin showing up for you, how your partner can love you better. And your partner has an opportunity to start practicing. Your partner has an opportunity to start um, getting curious about themselves and their own lives and taking that personal responsibility. If your partner isn't able to then meet your needs, that's when you have to stand in your worth and you have to stand in your, what you deserve. You have to stand for, for that inner child who feels like she can't be too needy. And you have to say, okay, I respect myself enough to walk away from this because I have used my voice. I've asked for what I needed. I've expressed how I'm feeling and it's still not happening. And at that point, you can't change your partner, but you can transition out of the relationship with love, but also with a lot of self-respect. Mm -hmm. There's different types of resentment in there too. Like if you never open up, if you never open up your lips, open up your mouth and speak, then you just start to build resentment. And that's, that's on you to begin with. But yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot to that. I think there's How a lot. You, I think that there's... There's a lot here. And usually how I, whenever people write questions, I love this. I can like break them down <laughs> sentence by sentence. But the first thing I would, you know, Joe, you talked about personal responsibility. You got to look at your relationship and be like, okay, why did I create this relationship for myself? Like, what did I like? Just take your partner out of it. Look at your situation, journal about this. Why did you create this relationship for yourself? They didn't create it. Nobody else's fault. Like, what did you, what, what, what were you trying to learn? What were you trying to get out of this? And if you attracted someone to into your life who's avoidant, that means that you're probably more on the anxious slash codependent side. And speaking as somebody who is very skilled at being avoidant, if you try and like lasso this person into emotional conversations consistently, they're going to have a fucking panic attack and run away. So there's a lot of things you have to consider here. You've got to think about your imperfections, right? And, and how that might be portrayed as someone else. So you need to understand why you created the relationship and then look at the other person's side of the perspective of this and understand how you're being received and how you're showing up for that person and how you're being seen by that person as well. That way you can start to speak their language. Cause one thing that happens whenever people get spiritual and start doing inner work is they start thinking that they have intellectual or spiritual or some kind of 
self-righteous one-upmanship and that their language is the only language that can be spoken. And then that's when you get this language like, I want someone mm. to meet me at my level. Well, maybe mm. that person just doesn't have the language because they didn't read a lot of Eckhart Tolle, but they want to express themselves in some way. And maybe they're showing you in ways that you don't understand because you are so pigeonholed into your one way of thinking about spirituality and communication and connection that you've not opened up to someone else's way of showing you what they need and how they mm. express it. And maybe it's through little things and gestures, the way they look at you or the way they touch you or the way they even show up for you in some other way. But are you considering all things or have you listened to too many podcasts with couples like us and think that this is the way that it's supposed to be because we read a fuck ton of books or something like that, right? So it's really, there's a lot of things to be considered here outside of, I need my needs to be met. Like you've got to get empathetic and empathetic doesn't mean anything aside from really looking at yourself through someone's eyes and then choosing how you want to show up. And if you had the same set of experiences that created the reality that that person is living, how would you need someone to show up for you? And if either one of you are unwilling to do that, then the relationship needs to end. And I would say if you're in this situation, the relationship as it is currently probably needs to end anyways, but that doesn't mean that y'all's relationship together has to end, right? But the relationship needs to go through some kind of transition. And if that's a transitioning apart, that's great. If it's transitioning together, that's great. But there's clearly are missing each other on a high level here. That's so good. good, babe. Thanks for that's coming good. to my TED Talk. <laughs> oh my God. We have another question um, before we wrap this up. We don't want to keep everyone forever, although I love this conversation. Um, Emma says, I'm new to the differences of knowing what separates the masculine feminine energy in terms of love languages. Are men more physical and loud in energy and women are more words of affirmation and intimacy? Genuinely curious and I'm itching to dive into that more. Hmm. Kelly, you start this one. Uh, thanks Lauren. Um, (laughs) so I don't think, I don't know love languages that deeply, but I don't believe that it's about masculine and feminine or men or women. I think it's just what all of our needs are. And I know for me, I am physical touch. Physical is huge for me. It's my number one, uh, physical touch and then words of affirmation. And I think it's really just, it speaks to your personality and your needs and your experiences in a variety of ways. And I, we all have a little bit of each of these. It's like this hierarchy that you can put them in. And I think it can change given different circumstances and experiences. I don't think that I've always been physical touch and words of affirmation, but at 32 years old and where I am now with my own self-awareness, I'm a lot more clear on what I need at this point in my life. So that's what I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think that there are, kind of divided by masculine feminine, but maybe, I mean, I think we tend to go like male, female with that, but maybe there is something to be said for, uh, words of affirmation and physical touch being more feminine in nature as far as what people need. I don't know. I, that's a, that's a tricky one. I think I have to look at some correlations. Data. Yeah. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. I think where my mind goes with it, I agree with you, Kelly, where it is so individual and it's also so contextual. It, it changes relationship to relationship. I think even who you have as a partner can determine what your love language is. With that said, if we think about the social constructs in place and also a lot of the familial constructs in place when we're growing up, emotions are more on limits for women, for the, um, for female identifying. And then I think emotions are more off limits for boys and for men and for the masculine. And so maybe that does create this, um, this organic pull for women to, to appreciate words of affirmation more because we have more experience with speaking to what we're feeling with, um, wanting to have conversations around the vulnerable. Again, I don't think it's as clear cut as feminine masculine, but I think that there might be some constructs in place that could contribute to it. Whereas with men, it, a lot of it is more, um, like physically moving something and less of maybe vulnerably emotionally moving something as a boy or as a teenager. Well, I think I want to piggyback on what you said there, which when you, when you were talking about men being less culturally kind of endorsed to, to speak out their emotions, it might make more sense than culturally for women to have a words of affirmation love language because that's more rare coming from men. If we're talking about heterosexual relationships here, like it's not something that men are very capable of. So when someone 
can do it, it's really, it's extremely appreciated because it's, there's a rareness to it, mm. which I think is shifting over the next 20, 30 years. You may see something different, but I do think it's interesting how you and you, you two <laughs> went after it. And me and Joe were like, we need more, I need more data. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's like I don't have enough numbers to, to oh, really yeah. like draw a conclusion here. <laughs> That's amazing. Good observation, honey. Yeah, spot on. Wavelengths. Oh man, I'm curious. I, I want to ask Joe, what are your love languages? Your your top physical touch. Physical touch and and uh, mm. acts of service. Yeah, yeah. Physical touch and yeah. acts of service. I was going to say words touch of affirmation and cooking too, breakfast. But. I I would pack <laughs> his lunches. Like I love packing his lunches when he goes to work. So, like cooking breakfast and packing lunches and giving him like snacks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What are yours, Lauren? Mine are words of affirmation and quality time. Mm -hmm. Nice. Con? Uh, Quality time and acts of service. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This has been amazing. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We just love you. I can't wait to do this in person. I know. Hang out. Yeah, we're not contagious anymore. Yeah, but we appreciate you. I love your wisdom and just your openness of everything that's going on and the way you guys show up. We're just so grateful for you. Yeah, we appreciate you both so much. This was so fun. Yeah, thank you yeah. too. Thank you. We got dinner in Denver coming up in yeah. who knows when. Yeah. Yes. Three to three to eighteen it. months. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Be there. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks everybody for joining us. Uh, this was really fun. We appreciate you, and we hope you have a great rest of your Monday. See you later. Later on, y'all. Amazing. Bye. Bye. All right, that's our show. That's your show, everybody. Isn't that how you always end your show? That's the show, everybody. Thanks for hanging around. That's how. Hugs I mean, and I don't. I don't. Don't do. Don't steal my <laughs> sign off. This is not the realness. I was wondering if for Connor Wanders you were going to have the same sign off. I was going to make up a no. No, I will not have the same sign off. Absolutely never not. cross I'm creative. Dreams. Yeah, no. I got to make a new things. I don't do anything the same on that. Thanks to Jolo for joining us. We love them. Make sure you check out their podcast. It's incredible. I binged like four episodes a couple weeks ago and I'm What's just What's their podcast called, away. Kelly? The Jolo Show. The Jolo Show. Link is in the show so notes. Easy. We're going to sing the rest of this. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> We're losing our fucking minds. Get me out of here. Thanks for listening. Have a great one. We love y'all. Bye. Bye. This show is brought to you by Soulfire Productions.